Hi, my name is Alan. I'm a business designer and welcome to the Beyond Users podcast, where we learn about business to become better designers. In this episode, we spoke about design sprints and how can we integrate business thinking into them. So design sprints are a format that have become increasingly popular in businesses. So they are used by designers or consultants with their clients, but also by designers who are working in-house and just want to uh, test some things faster. However, many sprint projects never get executed because they are not aligned with what the business needs. Basically, they're not aligned with the business context. So in this episode, I'm joined by Tim Hoffer, who is a DMBA alumnus, uh, but more importantly, he is a product design director and the head of design sprint team at AJ and Smart, which is a design sprint agency which is running design sprints for companies like Google, Slack, Lyft, Lufthansa, and so on. So in this episode, we spoke how Tim and his team is integrating business thinking with design sprints. Uh, For example, one thing we talked about is how competitive research, so doing research on competitors and industry can completely reshape the sprint score. Um, Then we talked about why many sprints never get executed. And we also talked about a pretty new format that Tim is developing within Agent Smart called Strategy Sprint. So how can we start designing strategies? Cool. So that's everything in intro. Now enjoy the conversation with Tim Hoffer. So Tim, let's start off by maybe better understanding how do you do uh, design sprints at Agent Smart? Mm -hmm. What's the process? What's the framework? Yeah, so we are working exclusively in design sprints, and when we started, um, when we started doing design sprints, we we already had our own homebrew process, which was kind of like in the same in the same vein as the Google uh, Google Ventures design sprint. But when we read a couple of articles by Jake Knapp, the uh, the inventor and originator of the GV design sprint, we immediately knew that this was the way we wanted to work. So we experimented a little bit with it. um, And that was, I think, in 2016, end of 2016. Um, So before the book came out, we already read a couple of blog posts. And we started clicking together like our own interpretation of what the GV design sprint could look like. Um, mm-hmm. And then we just iterated on that. And then in the end, when the book came out, we all also tweaked our process based on that. So it's heavily based on the original GV design sprint, but we made some changes that fit our way of working a lot better because we are we are an, an agency and a consulting business. Um, and unlike uh, GV, which is a, um, a VC firm and um, an accelerator we just work differently with our clients because our engagements are a lot shorter. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it, it just made sense for us to make a couple of, of changes. But since, since then we have, I don't, I, I don't even keep count how many design sprints we have done. I mean, the way we use design sprints is that it's not a one-off, but we sell them as packages because we realized that it's a lot better to do two design sprints back to back where you can then in the second one iterate on the results of the first so in general this is this is kind of like the structure of how we organize our client work and in the beginning that was pretty much it right we would sell like a two-week block um, of sprinting to our clients uh, and we would go straight into it and um, since then we have expanded the the product and changed it 
so that it's now a total of four weeks. And we, we still keep tweaking and experimenting with it, but that's pretty much how, how we work. Hmm. So how do these four weeks look like then? Yeah. So the first week um, is actually just preparation and research. And this might be interesting to people who have read some articles that were um, published by us where we talk about how upfront research is overrated and you shouldn't spend too much time on it. Um, but it's not a contradiction in my, like in, in, in my opinion, it's not a contradiction at all because it's still just one week, but it's very intense and very focused research because we want to find out as much as possible about the challenge, about the industry, about the client, about the competition. Um, and this happens almost without any involvement from the client themselves. Um, what we do in this week, though, is interviewing them. So um, with each participant from the client side, we um, schedule um, a pretty pretty long interview call where we go over a couple of questions, just trying to figure out from their perspective, what is the challenge that they actually want to solve and what are the biggest problems and what are the um, what is kind of like the, the situation that they find themselves in? Because very often when you do that individually with members from, from a team, you realize that there is either um, a, a lack of alignment or um, maybe maybe the, the challenge is a lot more complex than the main stakeholders think because they're not as deep into the subject matter as some of the people who are actually working and, and you know, like in operations. Mm-hmm. Um, or you find out that, you know, the challenge is actually, you know, like somehow pertaining to something that you did before. Um, so even if it's a com- completely different industry, I mean, maybe it is, maybe you find out that, oh, it's, it's something like a many to many marketplace that they want to do. It didn't sound sound like that at all when they initially um, talk to us but that's essentially what it is and then we can think back to other projects that we did that are similar and um, apply the learnings from these projects to to that client so it's it's really it's a really good convenient way of kind of like onboarding the team also onboarding the client um, in the second week we are doing the first design sprint so it's um, a two-day workshop um, then we create a prototype, we test it, validate the ideas. In the second week, we iterate on that. So it's a one-day workshop where we kind of like go over the results of the first week, go over the results of the user test, and then decide on the top three things that we want to change in, in the idea and in the concept. Then more prototyping happens, and then we test again. Um, and usually by the end of the second week, we already have solved like a lot of the problems that came up in the first week. And we either have validated the idea um, or we have identified the problems that still need to be fixed by them. So in the fourth week, usually with what we spend time on is documenting the results, talking to the client and also giving our recommendations. So um, what could happen is, for example, that we just tell them, look, we you had this idea, we prototyped it, tested it with people, and it just there's just no interest. So maybe you need to pivot, maybe you need to shift. However, far more likely, um, the, the result is actually that we, we validate the basic idea um, and have a couple of recommendations of how to actually 
um, turn the idea into reality, for example, by defining the MVP feature set. Uh, of course, every client wants to do everything at the same time, but we tell them that instead of working on this now for six months and then putting something out that's more or less perfect in, in your view, try to ship something as fast as possible. So focus on these two features first, because these are essentially the core of the product. And that, that way you can launch much faster and then learn and iterate based on real like data from real usage from, um, from people who, who use your product. So, yeah, I mean, as, as you can see, like a lot of the work we do is actually product design and product strategy work. And, um, this is also the, yeah, where, where we are coming from as AJ and smart. Yeah. What I like about this, this process that you just explained is how you take a, like a framework or a process and look at the underlying principles and then just, you know, create your own version of it. Because a lot of the times we just try to stick to a certain recipe too, too closely and we forget about what we're actually trying to achieve. And a lot of the times the sprint just feels like, oh, it needs to be a five-day process. Mm, Whereas yeah. if you just go back to what am I really trying to achieve, you might find something else. And that's also the reason why I really love your week zero or week one, where you kind of prepare for for uh, for the sprint because a lot of the times that's kind of skipped or people forget about the importance of actually understanding the challenge better and also understanding the the competitive landscape better so you were talking about doing industry and competitive research and also talking to to the clients so maybe let's touch upon all these three aspects so maybe let's begin with just these interviews we have you have with the client like what do you ask them what do you ask mm -hmm. the client to better understand the challenge yeah. So we have, um, we have a very short questionnaire that we send them. And then we, when we talk to them on the phone, we also go over each of the questions in greater detail. So, um, so one of the questions, for example, is, uh, in your own words, describe the challenge that you want to solve. Um, and that's, that's usually pretty interesting already because there you can see how, how people's, um, opinion on what the challenge is diverges, if it diverges. Um, or you can also see that they've already talked about this in, 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 in a lot of detail internally, usually when all the answers sound more or less the same. Um, this also gives you the opportunity to really dig deeper and figure out if, like, why they think this is a challenge, um, how it affects their business. That's also something that, um, that we want to know. Um, what the ideal outcomes from their perspective are, because that is also something that's very different from, from job function and department to department, right? I mean, the ideal outcome of a sprint might look completely different for someone who is um, a product manager or a product owner versus somebody who is more like a developer or designer type or even the CEO of the company. Yeah, completely. Um, who is, yeah. And, and, and this is really important for us because we like in the sprint, we also, we also want to achieve uh, a better alignment of, of everyone in the team because the teams are so interdisciplinary and um, it's not just people from, you know, like, you know, from the management or from the design department, it's, it's um, like different functions come together in a team 
And what we want to achieve is that across all these different functions, everybody's aligned on the same on the same goal that they want to achieve. Um, and so other other questions that we ask them is, for example, um, who they consider to be their competition. And if they know of any other interesting um, examples of products or services that do something similar, what they want to achieve, even if it's not from their industry. So this is something that we also do internally. Um, it's not just that we ask the client about this, but we also do our own research on this. So very often we go into the workshop and already have some really surprising examples for our clients because we we have more of a, a um, so when we look at this, we don't look at this just from the perspective of people in that specific industry, but a lot more holistically, like this example of the many-to-many -many marketplace that I mentioned earlier. I mean, this could be something that applies to, you know, like the um, airline industry. It could be, uh, I don't know, medical testing. It could be renting out apartments, things like that. Um, and usually the clients are that have a lot more like their focus is a lot narrower um whereas we have like a broader perspective on on you know the competition and also examples from other industries so this is also something that we do um uh, during during that week um and then another thing that we also do in these interviews is running um a, a service or customer journey Uh, by our clients it's it's a very it's a very rough one but we just want we just want to make sure that when we start the workshop with them that we have a good understanding of what they actually think um the the focus area should be um and that's very important and, and that actually made made our sprints a, a lot better um since we started doing that mm. And, and maybe focusing a little bit on the competitor research. So after maybe mm -hmm. you get a few uh, examples or input from the client side, like how do you actually go and do that research? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what we usually do is because we are coming from a design and product back background is that we actually look at um, the different companies. Um, we look at their products, services. We try to understand what it is they are doing, their business models, um, also looking at failed examples from, um, from, you know, like the competition, yeah. because that, that is also, I think very interesting because it's very easy as a designer to, um, latch on to cool features. And then, you know, like after six months you realize, oh, that company actually folded. Like what <laughs> happened there? It was such a cool product. Uh, and that, that happened far too often, um, that uh, now, now I'm very, I'm very careful about um, recommending any, um, you know, any examples without trying to at least figure out what the basic business model is and if it's sustainable. Um, and especially when we work with startups, this is a big, it, it, I would say it's a quite big issue because a lot of startups come to us without uh, a very clear business model. So for, for them, they have investor money and they don't, the, for, from their perspective, it's, um, let's figure out the product first and then we can figure out the business model. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, I think this is a valid approach, especially since we're still at a, at a very early stage and we're just validating ideas and features. Right. So that's, that's, that's great. But I think, um, 
very often the business model and the features have a connection, um, especially when you're talking about something like a digital product. A lot of our clients have the default assumption that, oh, it will be a subscription model or something like that. And um, yeah, it's, that's tricky because in the end, every yeah people are very hesitant to pay for, for stuff, even if they think, yeah, that could be valuable for me. Um, and it's also something that is very difficult to test in a sprint because unless people actually pay real money, you will never really get a, a, a clear answer on that question. If I ask a user tester, would you pay money for that? Um, it's just not like their answer will not be reliable enough for me to give a, a clear recommendation to the client. So I think it's really good for, for us to just understand um, almost like the trappings of different business models and and also steer our clients a little bit and just ask them critical questions about business models during the sprint. I should also mention this is not like the main focus of what we're doing in a normal design sprint. I mean, it's we're touching on it um, and we want to do more of that in the future, but the focus is still on the product strategy. <laughs> Got it. Can you give me one example of what you learned in this week one with a competitor or industry research and how this affected your um, product design. I mean, you were talking about that um, learning about the failures of other companies helps you a lot. I guess if we just maybe have a more concrete example, it can be even stronger. Like why is this even important to invest time into research before uh, starting a sprint? Yeah, right. Yeah, um so one example uh, I can give is when we when we worked with a big big media company, and um, so they had this assumption that their content would be extremely interesting to people if they packaged if they repackaged it in an app um, and basically just put it out on the market, um, uh, and that they somehow could compete with companies like YouTube for example. So the target group in this case was, of course, millennials, uh, Gen Z, people that don't necessarily watch TV anymore. Um, and I mean, for us, in this case, it was just really interesting uh, and valuable to even introduce this kind of like old school media company to what companies like YouTube or Instagram or even Snapchat are actually doing and how they are different from, you know, like the old, the, like the more old fashioned um, TV industry, because for, for them, like the, for them, it was just like they approached this on, on a content type uh, level. So they thought, so this is video. We have video. Why can't, why can't we do something like this? So they didn't even think about things like, um, leveraging network effects and things like that and how how different a company like youtube is and how how youtube is a platform versus uh themselves being the actual provider and originator of the content um so there are so many examples of companies especially news companies that failed trying to um shift and pivot to something like a more platform-based type of business uh, when we're thinking about, um, you know, companies 
like um i don't know like old like i you know like these companies that did uh, music television in the 90s mm-hmm. that also really scrambled to um shift to like a digital model and creating all these apps where suddenly people could upload their own videos videos and lip syncing and things like that um a lot of these things failed because um they all assumed that people would be dying to use these apps, but of course they didn't because there was no network effect. I mean, nobody wanted to join like uh, the copy of some video social network that a company put out uh, where they would find none of their friends and they would have no audience basically. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these things are um, are really good to, to bring up to our clients because um, – it, I, and I mean, this is really, it also really depends on what kind of client you're working with. Um, usually startups are quite good at figuring out the competition and um, really making a, a lot more internal analysis. And for them, because for them, there's a higher degree of urgency because they know they have, they have money now, uh, but they need to make it count. Um, and they have like, one shot at this and when the investor's money runs out then that's it so they really they really do their due diligence whereas if it's like an internal venture of a bigger more um traditional or well-established company i think this sense of urgency is often not quite there because the people were who are working on these internal ventures either it's you know just like a, a passion project that they came up that they came up with uh, an idea that they want to explore, or maybe it's not even their idea. Maybe it's just something that um, some some director or VP told them to to explore. Um, so in their case, it's more like, um, okay, I have this task, and now I need to figure out how to do it. But I don't necessarily understand like what's happening in the digital realm because maybe I am, you know, maybe I'm coming from a more traditional background, and I know a lot about TV production. I know a lot about content marketing and um, talking to, I don't know, um, content uh, distributors, but I don't actually know how to set up my own content Mm -hmm. platform um, because that's a completely different thing, right? So it's, of course, you cannot know everything about that. So for these people, I think it's very important for from our side that we do also consulting work and uh, coach them also a little bit on these differences because, yeah, it's it's quite easy to lose a lot of money um, on a venture that never had a chance to succeed in the first place. Yeah, how, how do you go back to a client and tell them news like this? Hey, we found that your initial challenge or initial brief was actually wrong or, you know, the frame yeah. of, of the whole brief was maybe just a bit too structured to a solution that is doomed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, so we're in a good position that clients specifically come to us for that. I mean, we we pretty much tell them up front that we we will not, you know, like pad the results of the test or make it look better than it is. We really we really want to be straight and honest with our clients. At the same time, having two sprints back to back, it's it's almost like a like a fail safe built in because in the first week, if you find out that, okay, this doesn't work at all, you still have the second week to pivot and create something that um, 
actually addresses the user feedback a lot better. And that works really, really well, I think. Um, it's very, like, up, I mean, we have done so many sprints now and the, the times when it was a complete failure, like where, where we actually have to tell our client, we recommend that you don't spend any money on that. I think I can count them like on one hand. I mean, that never, like it, it's so rare. And usually uh, when that happens, it's also because um, the initial idea was just not, you know, like the, there was actually not like a real urgency behind solving the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, and usually we like by now we, we've gotten quite good at identifying these red flags a lot earlier. Um, and that actually makes it easier for us to also tell prospective clients that, you know, I think this is not the right time for you to work with us. Maybe you need to think about this a little bit more because we're not convinced that this is actually, that is, this is actually a challenge that's worth doing a design sprint on. Um, because maybe you just need to do more validation. Maybe you need to actually figure out what you really want, because usually when that happens, it's also because you have a company where you have several founders or several stakeholders and they're completely misaligned on what they want to mm -hmm. do. Um, and that, that happens. Uh, and, and all of these examples I mentioned, um, are early stage startups where, um, maybe they have already like a tech demo or an MVP, but they don't really know what to do with it now. And now they, they have like these different, uh, different possibilities of what they could turn this product into. Um, but they still haven't really figured it out. And of course a design sprint could help, but for this to work, we really need them to be also willing to follow, um, a direction that they personally might not agree with because maybe, you have three founders and every founder has a different idea. And then in the sprint, we find out that, oh, actually founder A had the right idea um, and founder B and C, good ideas, but it doesn't work for this mm -hmm. product. In that case, you need, you need them to say, okay, you know what? I mean, we're all in this together. I know this is not my idea, but I'm willing to, you know, to commit to this. And this commitment is really important. Um, so yeah, I would say that this is the biggest um, the biggest issue when when you actually have to tell a client, you know, like you need to figure that out first be before you spend a lot of money on it. But at the same time, I also have to mention that the design sprint is such a powerful process because you are it, it, because it's actually quite cheap. I mean, um, if you compare to what our clients pay for for a four week engagement versus what it would cost both in terms of time and money and resources to actually develop something immediately, our, you know, working with us is actually quite cheap. And even if the result is that it's actually negative, that you shouldn't, you shouldn't build this product, you should build another product or you should pivot to a different business model. Um, this is actually good news in, from my perspective, because you have saved a lot of money and a lot of time. And now you can spend that time and resources on something that actually works. And um, yeah, I think that, that that's, that's why I'm not scared at all to talk to clients um, and tell them, you know, like we actually have pretty negative news, like the test, um, the test, like in the test, we found out that um, this idea that you have, it's actually like people are not interested in it because usually what we also find out in the test is that 
people are interested in something. It's just not the main idea that the client thought would be like the big hit. It's maybe like this tiny detail that the client thought like, ah, mm, I'm not sure about that, but maybe let's try that as well. Uh, I'm personally not convinced about this, but I want to see what people think about it. And then suddenly this tiny thing turns into this, um, this feature that people are extremely excited about. Um, and that's also like, a, like a really good outcome in my opinion. Um, so you find out what people really want versus what you think they want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like a lot of the consulting work is also kind of reflecting upon, um, the internal struggles or misalignment in, on the client side and just trying to align those things, trying to find different inklings of ideas within the organization, test all of them and just, you know, as an external party also, um, be kind of this, yeah, the voice of reason trying to explain which one, which idea maybe makes the most sense to, to go after. Um, which also brings me to the next question, which is once you do come up with a, a product idea. So earlier you mentioned that so far, most of your focus in the design sprints was on the product itself. Mm -hmm. So once you do come up with the idea for a product, how do you then make sure that it has a sound business model at the back? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a really interesting question. And this is also something that we identified as a key, a key challenge uh, with what we used to do with our clients. Um, because very often we had, you know, the outcome of a sprint was uh, a really thought through prototype um, with some really interesting features. Um, but we could never really, we could never really tell our client how to turn that into a business because very often we did not really have that level of access to our client. And um, so what usually happens with corporate clients um, that do like an internal venture is you, you leave them with the results of the sprint and then they say, this is great. I will take all of that stuff now uh, and go to my, VP or my director and I make a pitch that we actually built this now so that I can get a budget that I can get a team uh, and that's usually like what like th that's a lengthy process so we don't really we don't really know what happens there um, it takes a lot a lot of time for them to actually execute on that um, and it's usually also something that clients don't really come to us for so um, they usually, so, so something that actually, I actually heard a lot of, um, people with a corporate background say after they left us is, okay, um, now we'll have like, this is all really nice. Now we'll have to sit down and figure out the business case for this. And this really struck me because I thought actually we could have helped with that as well. It's just that, um, you never really gave us the impression that you didn't have a business model already. Like we always assumed that um, you already have like a clear idea how you can potentially make money with this. Or if you don't make any money with this, how there's like some kind of a, a synergy effect maybe with another product, you know, where maybe, maybe you just want to, I don't know, tie tie your audience or your customer base to your main product by offering this free product i don't know what it is but um it, it was always surprising to me that this didn't happen earlier mm -hmm. before people actually came to us um 
and this is also something uh this is also one of the reasons why um we started enrolling into the dmba course because um i always felt that to have these conversations you actually need to be able to um talk in the same language as um, the client and very often our clients come from a business background or at least the main stakeholders that basically call the shots in a sprint come from a business background um and i think yeah this is uh, this is one of the things that is really important i think to be able to speak to people um in the same terms mm-hmm. um because i mean even if you cannot fully come up with a with a business model in the sprint itself um i think it's it's a really good put, like point to start thinking about it um I'm not sure if that answered your question. I'm sorry, I think no, I'm just I think, rambling now. No, no, I think it's going to the right direction. And I mean, also going back to what you said in the beginning is that in week one, you two talk to uh, the client and the really good benefit, the side benefit of doing those, let's call them internal interviews or business empathy is that you pick up on the language that they use internally. And this language yeah. is many times very important to convey the message you know, to explain yep. your design also in the language that the client can understand and know how to sell forward maybe internally if they have to. Um, but yeah, I mean, also off the record, what we discussed exactly is this, how the lack of business model can basically block uh, the whole project. Like you come up with a great product um, or, you know, if you're not working on a sprint, maybe can somebody can relate to the fact that you come up with a great feature, a great idea, but then somebody tells you, tells you that this, this is not aligned with the business. Um, yeah. So um, you told me that you're working on a new, how should we call it, new new sprint or a new version of the sprint that might help mm-hmm. with that. Can you share a little bit more about uh, that new idea? Yeah, yeah, sure. So this is actually something that um, that we started thinking about last year already, and um, we we figured out that very often before our clients come to us, there would be potential for helping them figuring out, um, you know, like shaping, shaping the overall strategy of um, their team, their department, their company. Um, Because very often when they come to us and there's like this misalignment, we find that there is actually no strategy or the strategy is this kind of like typical, fluff strategy where um you know they they, it it was basically mandated from the top or maybe from from a consulting firm or i don't know like who like wherever that that came from it's it's a strat like it's called a strategy but if you look at it it actually doesn't help you at all making any kind of like tactical business decisions Mm -hmm. because so uh, it's so unconcrete and unspecific that um, you ju- you just don't really know what to do with it, and that that also leads to so much confusion and misalignment uh, in in operations um, that we decided that you know what I mean a lot of these a lot of these conversations that we have during a product design sprint are actually very strategic. Um, because a lot of these decisions that they should be able to to make, 
they cannot make because their strategy is not clear. It, their, their strategy is not even clear to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> sometimes, um, so sometimes what comes out as a result of a design sprint is that we are kind of like hinting at, at, at strategic topics, but we never really felt comfortable making any strategic recommendations because that was not why people came to us. So what we thought about doing um, since uh, last year is actually applying the, the, the principles of the design sprint to um, come up with a strategy for a company or a team. And um, we have experimented and, and tried out a, different, a few different things um, and I think we have now, uh, yeah, we, we now have a, a consulting product, which we call the strategy sprint, which we're, we're, which we are actually confident to, to, to sell to clients because I mean, we are, we are also using it internally. Um, we have done it with a couple of clients already. And, um, I think it's, it's quite good because it's, um, like I said, using the same principles as the design sprint. So it's kind of like a, a progressively narrowing down of focus and making decisions and making trade-offs because that is, that is pretty much the base the base of a design sprint. It's making decisions, it's committing to a direction, and then following that direction, and then just just seeing if it works or not. And um, so, a lot of these workshop processes uh, lend themselves quite well to making strategic decisions so for us um for for this to work i mean we we need a different team setup we actually need um management and executives on board to do that um so it's not just the people who um you know like actually execute on on certain directions it's it's also uh, so in this case it's more like the people from like leadership positions mm-hmm. Um, in, ad- in addition to that, we're also interviewing uh, other people. So it's not so we're trying to get a, a more complete picture of what's actually happening. So in one case, for example, we asked the client if they could get us in touch with a couple of their most important customers, or uh, we talked to people who are working in customer service for that company, so that we could um, identify uh, like what is it actually that people from the outside think about that company? Because internally they had a pretty good view of what they wanted to be, but we wanted to, to check if it, if it actually holds true in reality. Um, and once you talk to people who work with them and who pay them to do a certain thing, you, you find out that, Oh, some of the things that they think about themselves are true some other things that they aspire to be are actually completely irrelevant to their customers. Mm-hmm. Um, other things are, uh, and, and there are other things that have potential, but they're completely invisible to the people on the inside. Um, and that's also really interesting finding that mm-hmm. we have. So um, the strategy sprint is different in uh, from the design sprint because it's, um so the the structure is quite I, I wouldn't say it's similar i mean the the structure is i mean we're doing like exercises like on a superficial level some of the exercises look the same 
So you're still sketching ideas, for example. You're still um, coming up with, you know, like a, a really wide variety of different initiatives and things to do. But the important thing for us is that people and our like that our clients really think about their strengths and weaknesses um, because we don't want them to just make a plan or just make a mission statement. And I think that that's actually a big, big issue that a lot of companies um, confuse having a mission statement with having a strategy. Um, and I would, I would say that this is one of the, the, this is actually one of the biggest problems that a lot of companies have a very unclear idea of what strategy really is. Mm -hmm. And there's also so much fluff, and so much confusion around the term that I think maybe it's, maybe it's good that I, I, I give you my definition of what strategy is, sure. um, because this is also something that I thought about like a lot over the last year, um, because it was also very mystifying to me. Uh, when you start thinking about like strategy and what it means, um, there is so much uh, confusion around the term. And to me, at the most basic level, it's um, it's a decision. It's a it's a it's a, a process where you um, decide on focus on trade-offs uh where you want to be and where you have the highest potential to win um, and also the things that you have to stop doing to achieve mm -hmm. that goal so it cannot cannot just be like um you know like a value like a set of values like for example we are excellent we are there, there are, you know, these corporate values yeah. that are mostly completely detached from reality. I mean, one of the favorite, like the one of the few favorite examples of corporate values are these um, values that uh, Enron had. Um, and then the the reality, like there are so many companies where the values are completely different from how the company actually works and operates. Um, that it's it's clear that somehow they just don't work. It's like a it's like almost like internal PR to me in a way. Um, but where you can really see the strategy um, of of a company applied is when you look at what they're doing and also what they stop doing and what like what are the things that they decide not to focus on. Um, because it's very easy to try to do everything at the same time. Um, but not everything you do will actually lead you to a position where you can make most use of your ad advantages mm -hmm. as a company. Um, and the strategy sprint is heavily based on that. So it's it's about, first of all, coming up with uh, almost like a, um, a diagnosis of the status quo. So what are the things that work really, really well? What are the things that you're proud of that you, that you do um, – uh, that you can do better than anyone else? Um, what are the assets that you have that help you? Um, this is usually how we start because uh, this is a bit of a workshop trick. Just starting off on a positive note um, is really, really helpful. But then over the course of the workshop, we kind of like trick the client into thinking about the challenges and shortcomings as well. Um, because once you have done that, you can actually decide on what are the key strengths that we really have and what are the key challenges and shortcomings that we have. Um, and we really force them to commit to the most important ones. And there's also a lot of, you know, like 
internal discussions about that. So we're also allowing a lot more discussion than we would do in a normal design sprint. Of course, it's all time boxed, but it's very important to us that um, every concern and uh, every hesitance gets gets out there because um, we we really need to kind of like pull all these things out of the brain of the client so that everybody has a chance to voice their concerns and um, uh, yeah that w- what they think we should talk about um, and then once you have that. Um, you're also thinking about like what is it what is it actually this company wants to be in the world because uh, and and to me this is different from having a set of values um there is one example that's coming up again and again in strategy books uh and it's this famous sentence by uh John F Kennedy about um committing uh the US to land on the moon um, do you know? Do you know uh, what sentence I'm talking about? Um, um, no, I'm not sure. It, it's a very. Um, it's a. It's such a good sentence. It's. Um, I don't. I don't have it. Like I don't have the exact right words from the top of my head. But it's something like we commit ourselves to uh, have um, a person land on the moon within uh, ten years or something like that, and. And cap- like this encapsulated is pretty much the um, the reason of being for a, for an organization uh, like NASA, for example. And that that alone um, is not a strategy, but it's um, it's quite helpful to have kind of like this reason of being. Like, what is it that this organization or company wants to be in the world, and what is it that you actually want to achieve? Um, having laid out in 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 very transparent terms without any fluff, so it's really like you look at the sentence and immediately understand what this organization is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and from from that, then combined with the strengths and the challenges, you can start to think about um, specific um, specific initiatives and directives that then you can actually apply in real life business on a, on a day-to-day basis. So the ideal outcome of a sprint would be that um, you are maybe a product manager and you get uh, a proposal for an internal venture on your desk and you read through it. And because you are a hundred percent clear about the strategy of the company within five minutes, you can say this actually doesn't fit our strategy at all. We should not, put any resources into this or you say you know what this is exactly what we need to do this is this fits our strategy let's explore it um because this is i think something that that's missing from a lot of companies at the moment yeah i mean just the whole confusion around what strategy is and the lack of strategy is just uh, it's surprising actually um yeah i think i completely agree with also your definition right it's a trade-off uh, decision explaining what the company will invest in and what the company will not invest in. And um, maybe what would be interesting to go into next is just trying to understand what is the basic tool like that you use to make those decisions? You know, how do you make a decision with a company? Hey, you should be X and not Y. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, so this is um, this is where we're coming back to the normal design sprint methodology, where um, we are using a lot of post-its. We're we're using a lot of like these tiny uh, tiny red stickers to vote. So um, in in every sprint, and the strategy sprint is not an exception. We have we have a person that uh, we call the decider, and that person is. Um, uh, basically the one it, it's like a tiebreaker uh, so to say I mean there's a lot of voting involved so there's something called note and vote where people write down their opinions and ideas on post-its we stick it up on the wall then the entire team votes on the things that they like most um, but just so that this is not you know like designing or deciding by committee we have this one person who can actually say you know what um, I see where the preference of the group is, and I, I agree with maybe that idea that's up here in the left corner. But there's one posted down here that nobody nobody looked at, and um, as a decider, I would also use this one. So this is um this is a very important person, and in the strategy sprint, it's actually um, so this would be ideally the CEO, somebody like that. And in all the strategy sprints that we did so far it was somebody who was really, really high up. So basically the person who can actually call the shots, who has the power to make these decisions. So it's a CEO or a, the general manager of some department or a founder, right? Um, so the first, um, so a lot of these exercises are, um, like I said, based on writing things down on post-it, putting them up on the wall, uh, and then kind of like using these decisions that are made to construct things like, for example, uh, the purpose of the company. So this is coming back to this uh, moon landing uh, example I gave earlier. So ideally, by the end of the first day, this company or this client would have a very clear purpose statement. No fluff, really just one or two sentences um, about the purpose of the company in the world. And th the purpose is always deeper than just making money, right? I mean, every company has to make money. Um, that's that's a given, but um, there must be more to it. Like what what is it actually that makes this company um, uh, unique and what purpose does it, does it serve? Um, the other thing that we decide on as well are... Um, ways how they realize this purpose so the purpose is kind of like um kind of like this idealistic ambition like for example we want to we want to heal every type of cancer in the world that's a very ambitious goal but um uh you need to now figure out like how can you actually realize this in practical terms um, and that could be, for example, in the, in the case of, you know, like we want to uh, heal cancer. It could be like we realized this by um, training uh, and educating doctors around the world, something like that. So, so little by little, you're kind of like becoming more concrete in what the company wants to wants to achieve in reality so you're going from the purpose which is super idealistic slowly to decisions how you can achieve it in reality and this is where you actually have to start thinking about very practical 
initiatives, like even even things that you need to stop doing, especially in the case of a corporate. And this is actually, I think this this is where the strategy sprint is quite powerful because usually these decisions are very difficult to make. Like, like what is it actually that we stop doing right now? So many companies do things uh, just because they have always done them. Because they have so much money, they can do so much stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's also, I mean, the bigger the company is, the easier it is to lose focus. Um, and I, I mean, I, I would say there, there are a few company, like a, a few big companies in the world that I would say have still a very strong focus in what they're doing. Like, for example, Apple is one of these examples. I mean, um, there's this famous, uh, this famous precedence where Steve Jobs came back as CEO of Apple after um, being um, uh, um, ousted for a couple of years. And the first thing he did was basically slashing a lot of departments and a lot of projects like Apple used to produce their own printers. He said, okay, we're not doing that anymore. That's insane. We have to stop manufacturing our own printers. And uh, so he, he pretty much killed off like a lot of departments and a lot of projects, but he, he knew he had to do it because they were bleeding cash. Um, they had a lot of people working on the wrong things. Uh, and he just really radically, um, shifted the focus back on uh, what Apple is basically famous for. So, um, and I, I think this is actually like a testament of like like what a great strategic thinker Steve Jobs Steve Jobs was, and also how how Apple is a company that is kind of like very hierarchical in many ways, whereas uh, a lot of other companies don't don't have that luxury, right? I mean. Um, they don't have like this personal connection of the CEO to the company. Um, also, they have been around for a much, much longer time. So the process can can help them to really make these decisions based on everything else that they decided on earlier. Um, and I think this is also this is also where it's really important to talk about like where like what what it actually is they want to achieve in the world before we talk about like stopping stopping certain things because it's really it's really easy to get excited about like hey yeah we we all want to heal cancer we want to put an end to that and uh and then when you start thinking about okay but you want to achieve these things and these are some ideas of how you might do that what is it now that that you're doing that you have to stop doing from to achieve that what you set out to do um, and this is where thinking about the strategic weaknesses and strength is also really important because very often something that a company thinks is a strength is actually not really, really what makes this company successful. Um, something that comes up very often, for example, is like, um, you know, we are an extremely innovative company. And the, as an example, um, of, um, uh, so, so uh, just as an example, this even came up when we did an internal sprint about ourselves, about AJ and Smart. We thought AJ and Smart is a really innovative company. And we were all like, yeah, yeah, we are really innovative. And then we discussed it. And then we decided, you know what? We are actually not innovative at all. I mean, we haven't come up with the pro like we Like we took a process and we made it our own. Uh, and we're quite good at that. But it's not like 
like we are sitting down and coming up with these things on ourselves. Like we are very, we are very proud of the fact that we're walking around and we're taking the best parts that are around and we combine them to something new. So I mean, maybe you can call that innovation. I mean, I, I personally don't think so, but it, in any way, like we decided, you know what, actually innovation, it, it's good, but it's not what we are about. Like we're actually about something different. It's not, it's not about being the most innovative company. And I think um, the strategy sprint is kind of like a, a framework where leaders can have these tricky conversations mm-hmm. uh, in a structured way where um, it's not about, you know, like being combative and, you know, like defending your favorite department at all costs, but approaching it on a more higher level, like first of all, not thinking about operations and like the, the, the tactical day-to-day business at all, but really looking at it from like a, like a bird's eye perspective um, and then like kind of like slowly we're kind of like approaching what these decisions mean in, in reality. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is, um, I, I'm not sure if that's specific enough, but uh, yeah, feel free to, to, to dig, dig deeper if, if uh, you want more detail on a specific thing. Yeah. And there's just one more question I have, which is the strategy is about making decisions, about trade of decisions. Um, so I'm just curious, how do you make those decisions within the sprint? So you said you go from defining the purpose for the company to then, okay, what do we need to do to achieve that and what we should not do, you know, so we can spend more time on the stuff that we need to do. So how do you make those decisions? Is this something that a team decides or is this something that you can also test somehow? Yes. Um, so, uh, this is a great question because I mean, the sprint is all about testing. It's never about just coming up with a cool idea and then running with it. So, um, we are very clear that at the end of the sprint, we don't have all the answers. We, we just have almost like a sketch of a strategy and we have a couple of things that need to happen. So, um, more specifically, we leave the client with a roadmap of initiatives and things to do. And we assume that this roadmap is basically a, a, a list of experiments that they need to perform. Because not all of the initiatives will work out. Um, a couple of initiatives might be, might be more successful than they um, initially thought. And... Um, the roadmap is really, really short. I mean, we're talking about a period of maybe six months maximum. So a lot of these things are kind of like the starting point of a strategic shift. And um, yeah, we, we just need to be very clear about, about that when we leave our client that, uh, I mean, some of the things are more, uh, are probably a lot more, um, how should I say this? So there are a couple of things that we decide in a, a strategy sprint that that have um, more like a longer term stability. For example, the purpose of the company. I mean, this is something that ideally should never change. And we, we spend a lot of time like actually figuring out and even like words smithing the, the perfect purpose statement. Um, because to us, that's the that's basically the foundation of every other decision, right? But the the actual decisions, like the strategic decisions, how to fulfill it in the world, 
I mean, there are so many ways of going going about that. And at, at some point, they will also need to come up with their own decisions to make that, to make that happen over a longer term. Um, so this roadmap is to us kind of like the the sandbox where they can test initiatives. And uh, like I said, it's six months uh, uh, maximum into the future. But a lot of the initiatives are actually happening within one quarter, like within the first three months. We're asking them, so what are the things that you need to do that have the highest payoff that you can immediately do and then figure out how to make them happen? Mm. So by the end of the first three months, ideally, they should already have like tested a lot of different things and they should already see what real life effect it has on their company. Uh, and some of the things will work better than others. Um, but this will also help them making more decisions in the future. Like, for example, one one uh, idea that came up um, in a strategy sprint that we did recently was an internal um, an internal training program for uh, product managers. Um, and, and that was like a super tactical um, decision based on the strategy um, because they had this idea of basically um, also changing how internal teams work. Uh, and for that, they needed to actually train certain people up to a point where that would be possible. Mm -hmm. So, this is this is something that will that they will explore now, and they will see if it actually works out the way they intended or not. Um, and this is how we yeah this is how we test it. And I mean another also really important internal test is uh, even getting the commitment to stop certain things, um, because this is usually like. A, it's very important that there's like an actual commitment of the people in the room to fulfill the strategy and execute it. Um, and if people say, yeah, we need to stop doing X and then we ask them, so, okay, now are you actually willing to stop this now or, or rather not? And they say, mm, I'm actually not sure about that. Then to me, that's also a test of uh, their own confidence in the strategy that they came up with. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd, ideally, you would need to get these answers as fast as possible. I mean, like I said, we're still tweaking the process itself. Um, but since we have all the major stakeholders in the room, um, I think this is, this is actually quite helpful. Like having this roadmap, leaving them with it, and then basically also assigning the responsibility for that. Because... That's another thing, right? I mean, if people are really excited about this new strategy, they should all be willing to put their hands up when it comes to comes to actually executing on it. And if there are certain things that nobody is excited about, um, then that's a red flag, right? Because then you need to figure out like why is nobody confident about this this strategic initiative now? Is it maybe because they don't see the value in it, or? Uh, is it because they're having second thoughts or maybe is it because they're not confident that they can actually pull it off, which actually should not happen after having talked about the strengths and weaknesses and challenges before. Yeah, that's super crucial. Like if people do not buy into the strategy, I mean, first of all, if you do not know what it is, second of all, if people do not buy into it, then you basically don't have a strategy because people still yeah. do different things and yeah. spend time on different things within the organization. Tim, right. it was really, really helpful and insightful. Um, 
So if maybe somebody in the audience already uh, or uh, has any questions about the process of building research for strategy sprints or just in general for design sprints or more questions about uh, uh, the strategy sprint, um, is there any way or what, what would be the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, people can get in touch with me uh, via Twitter. So my Twitter handle is T-I-M-H-O-E-F-E-R. Um, they can also get in touch with me um, via my Agent Smart email, uh, Tim at Agent Smart. Um, and uh, yeah, but uh, either way, just uh, reach out to me if you have any questions. I'm also I'm also active on the DMBA alumni uh, Slack, and um, yeah, how, however people want to reach out, um, cool go for it. Yeah, no, I think this is a really interesting. Um, topic and also development in the world of design is how do we start affecting the strategy so it's great that you are uh, already testing that um, so yeah thanks again for uh, coming on to the air and, and sharing your uh, experience thanks Alan so I hope you enjoyed this episode about integrating business and design sprints especially if you're interested in strategy sprints uh, you might also consider joining us for the next DMBA one of the modules in the DMBA is also called Business Strategies, where we talk about this um, exactly. So what is strategy is, what it isn't, how do we design it, which is actually going to help you also if you're trying to create your own uh, strategy design process. So if you're interested in the DMBA, you can check for yourself if this is the right fit by going to beyonduses.com. And on this website, you can sign up for a seven-day mini MBA. And through that, you can see if this is the right for you. And by being on the email list, then you'll also be notified when the applications open in January 2020. Cool. That's everything in this episode. And that's also probably the last episode of this year. So I wish you all very nice and happy holidays and a happy new year.